you are Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Everybody, how you doing here? Locked On Browns, episode 107. Uh, like I said, we're going to roll through the bye week here. We have some really fun things, uh, you know, just to break up the monotony here of the bye week. But, you know, look, nothing is ever quiet or, you know, easy in Cleveland Browns land. But here we are, obviously, to the fiasco of the trade deadline. Uh, we're going to get a little bit more into the draft talk here at 0-8. And, and look, when you're a rebuilding team, draft talk is always important. Uh, you know, the biggest news of the NFL today, you know, real tough spot here today. Uh, you feel terrible hearing about the news of Deshaun Watson. This isn't really so much a Houston Texans thing. This is a guy who's kind of become an NFL thing. You know, everybody loves the young quarterback to see how he progresses. Uh, but I'm not going to waste any more time on that. We'll get a couple of words from our guest here on that. But we have uh, Dane Brugler with us here today. Uh, obviously, Dane, senior NFL draft analyst over at NFL Draft uh, Scout. Uh, the Trust the Tape podcast, which I'm a huge fan of with Jeff Cavanaugh, you know, one of my other uh, guys I really love on Twitter. Uh, Dane, uh, first off, uh, you know, how's everything going? How's the family? I know you're a young dad with, uh, you know, a couple of young ones at home. How's everything going, buddy? Uh, things are going well. I appreciate it. Uh, Jeff, it's good to be on. Um, you know, it's like you mentioned earlier, even though it's a bye week, there's, there's always something to talk about with the Browns. Uh, but no, things, things are going well. Uh, yeah, I've got two little ones who, uh, keep me busy two and one. Uh, so it's, uh, never a dull moment over here. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it definitely keeps life interesting and there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, I can definitely tell you, look, you know, I have Irish twins. I have a fifth grader and a fourth grader. They're both mm -hmm. girls. There is a light at the end of the tunnel, Dane. It's slowly, <laughs> it's a few years away, but there is a light at the end of that tunnel, buddy. So I'm going to let you know that. Um, look, uh, as far as we get in here to Cleveland Browns and we, you know, break it down a little bit. The one thing since I've taken this, you know, look, a lifelong Jet fan, you know, this was a great opportunity for me, you know, with mm -hmm. this podcast that I've taken it over. And, you know, I love the roster building and the draft process, you know, through an NFL team. A lot of the fans here seem extremely discouraged. Like, there is no progress here. Uh, let's get your opinion on that. Uh, where do you think the franchise is at? You know, we're 22 months into this new regime. You know, what are your thoughts here on what they've done to this point? Well, uh, when you strip something down to the studs and rebuild, obviously, uh, you know. And, it's, I, and one thing, Dane, I hate to say rebuild because right. I don't know necessarily. I mean, they never built, but you know, so maybe right. build, but go ahead. Right. No, it's, that's a good point. Yeah. I mean, when could we really say, uh, at least since 99, that the, that the Browns were built? Uh, you know, one, one playoff appearance and a lot of heartache for these you know, great fans of a, of a great franchise. But, you know, it's something that this organization is taking a little bit of a, a different approach with this, with this build, put it that way. Um, you know, and I think that they left themselves open to criticism with a lot of their decisions, a lot of what they're doing. Uh, and honestly, I've seen a lot worse teams win games. And when you're one in 23, uh, you know, over the last uh, year and a half, it just, that's, it's unacceptable. It is. Uh, it doesn't matter if you're in the middle of uh, building something, if you're, you know, in the middle of playing you, young guys, a lot of youth on the field, it doesn't matter. Uh, you know, the, the coaching staff has to be better. And from a front office perspective, I, I understand why there's plenty of doubt. There's plenty of uh, concern about, are these the right guys to, to move the organization forward? Um, with that said, I, 
you know, in a perfect world, they get at least another year to see what they can do. Um, you know, they've accumulated a lot of draft picks, a lot of capital uh, for draft weekend. Uh, but I, I think the biggest thing kind of standing in their way is is the lack of a quarterback. That's really something that's haunted them. Um, and then the news this week with the trade, you know, whether, uh, you know, I, I, it's going to be a 30 for 30 someday about, uh, you know, how <laughs> it was it a, uh, intentional on someone's part was just they dropped the ball. It just there's so many layers to this this trade fiasco. But, um, you know, it's I understand why Browns fans are jaded right now when it comes to uh this front office and this coaching staff uh you know it's they this this staff hasn't there's not a lot of goodwill uh, with this with this group so um you know with that said uh the browns are in position there's talent on this roster uh, there's plenty of talent and they have the draft capital and the cap room where this offseason they can make a big step forward the big question will be does jimmy haslam feel uh, comfortable enough with the coaching staff with the front office that these are the guys to take that next step um it's and that's a, that's a question i don't think anybody can answer i don't think anybody's job is safe uh by any means uh and it's you know I, i'm a when it comes to building a team i'm a traditionalist where i think we should, there should be a gm the the head coach answers to the gm that but with the with the brown situation you've got hugh jackson reporting right to the owner and you have uh, you know, a front office with so many different mix of football guys and, you know, guys of different backgrounds. And so it just, it's just, it's a hodgepodge of a lot of different things going on. And I just don't know if there's that one true leader in the building that is equipped to uh, handle it all and manage everything. Uh, so there, there, there's so many different directions we could talk about with this team and we you know the direction they're going in. But, um, you know, part of me wants to see this group get uh, another year just to see what they can do. But for all those wanting to, uh, you know, that don't trust this group moving forward, it's hard to blame them. Um, so I guess almost a case of, you know, maybe too many cooks in the kitchen, that type of thing. Let me ask you this, though. Uh, you know, what, what the talk was of, you know, a second and a third round pick for mm-hmm. A.J. McCarron. What, do you think, you know, what was if that deal had gone down, was it worth it for Cleveland? I uh, no, um, I. I've heard some people say that, well, you know, he was just going to be the backup. And you don't – I don't care how many draft picks you have. You don't spend a second and a third on a backup. Um, You know, a a player who's going to be a free agent after the year, there's some dispute whether he's a restricted free agent or an unrestricted free agent. Uh, I think he'll be a restricted guy, but uh, there's some some dispute there. That's something we'll have to settle after the year. But – you know, we're talking about a second and third round pick, two day two picks, two future starters. Um, and, and look, the quarterback, there's no, there's no question. It's the most important position on the field. I think it's the most important position in all of sports. Uh, and so, if you're this front office, it almost felt like a, a knee jerk reaction to the Garoppolo trade. And you know, who knows? Maybe the Browns never had a shot at Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, they could have offered a first round pick, and New England still wouldn't have done it. Uh, because they wanted him out of the AFC, because they knew Garoppolo really wanted to, uh, you know, play for a team like the 49ers. Who knows? You know, we'll never really know that. Uh, but it felt like a knee-jerk reaction, and you know, the the owner kind of appeasing the head coach, going after a quarterback to help him win games. Uh, it, basically, a short-term fix. Um, you know, there's a reason McCarron was a, a fifth-round pick. And listen, teams in the same division, they. They don't trade quarter, good quarterbacks uh, to a team in, in their division. Uh, you know, it just doesn't happen. 
if the Bengals really thought A.J. McCarron was a very good player, they would not trade him to Cleveland. It doesn't matter what they were offering. They don't want to face him twice a year uh, if he was a good quarterback. And so they know what they have with A.J. McCarron. And it, I don't know. Talking to, my, to Bengals uh, people after the trade and seeing how upset they were that it didn't go through, that tells you everything you need to know. Uh, it just it would not have been a good trade in my opinion. Thankfully, it didn't go down, and we'll have to see after the year in the offseason uh, with McCarron having some different options. Is Hugh Jackson still the head coach? If he is, maybe uh, there's something in the works for him to come to Cleveland then. But uh, even in that situation, I, I wouldn't feel good about it. Uh, it they, they, need to go, they need to look at their quarterback options, find the best one, whether that's drafting a guy, whether that's Kirk Cousins, whether that's uh, A.J. McCarron, whoever they think is the best option collectively the front office the head coach everybody and they need to go get him bottom line whoever that ends up being uh and that should be interesting to see how they handle that okay guys you're listening to locked on browns we have dane brugler here we're gonna uh obviously get into some draft specific questions here now uh Dane, uh, I'll be it's early, obviously. Where do you think, you know, maybe the meat and potatoes or the strength of this draft is looking at this point? Uh, well, so much will depend on the underclassmen, obviously. Those uh, the, the juniors and registered sophomores that enter the draft early will – those guys will be the difference makers that kind of tells us which position is, uh, you know, the, the best, that has the talent at the top, also the depth throughout the draft. Uh, just looking at some of the underclassmen, I think corner uh, could be a really good group this year based on the juniors that come out. Uh, you know, running back with all the juniors that will come out at that position will, uh, again, be a, a, a strong position, which and I think the Browns will definitely be in the market for one. I do, do not see Isaiah Correll returning to the Browns next year. So I think running back will be high on their list at some point in the draft. Could it be with that first pick? We'll see. Uh, and then pass rusher. I think it's a good year for pass rushers, both in the senior class, starting with Bradley Chubb at the top, and then with all the underclassmen that could enter. Uh, and I'd, I'd include the interior defensive linemen as well. Uh, a lot of these juniors that are uh, could come out, uh, the interior defensive line, guys like Christian Wilkins, Deron Payne, uh, Harrison Phillips, Taven Bryan, uh, a lot of very talented players on the defensive line this year. And I'll be – I hate saying this, but it's not a – very deep group at the top you know we don't have as much high-end talent in this class um and i feel comfortable saying that i know it's early but i don't think that's going to change between now and uh april and then i don't think it's as deep as past years but uh you know there will be plenty of pro bowlers that come out of this draft just got to go find them okay and uh now one thing here and this is the guy i've kind of pegged probably over the last six weeks for cleveland you know saquon barkley it's weird you know, you always get nervous when there's such a group unanimous on one player, and it seems to be the case with Saquon Barkley. If Cleveland ends up with the number one pick, and obviously they have a second number one pick, and look, the news today obviously is only going to elevate probably the Houston pick. Mm-hmm. Is it that far out of the realm that Saquon Barkley could be the number one overall pick in this draft? And one thing about the Deshaun Watson trade, you know, it's uh, it might seem insensitive, but you know, if there's even a little bit of uh, positive that comes out of it, is the Brown for the Browns they get that pick probably goes from maybe in the 20s. It looked like the Texans were on pace to make the playoffs to uh, you know maybe the early teens. We'll have to see how it plays out, but it could be a swing of 10 to 12 spots in the first round. You hate and it the for, second rounder as well, right? Exactly, and you hate it for. 
uh, Watson, a uh, fun player. Um, he was taking this league by storm. Uh, but, you know, for Browns fans, you know, there's a, a small silver lining uh, for them. Uh, you know, back to your original question about Saquon Barkley, it's I, I'm not going to say that Berkeley should be the top pick, but I will say he should be considered. Um, you know, we've seen a running back drafted top five each of the last two years, and both of those players, Ezekiel Elliott and Leonard Fournette, have played significant roles for their teams. And, and right away, uh, you know, we've seen what with the Cowboys and the Jaguars, and Berkeley is kind of following in those footsteps. You know, the question, will he be the number one overall pick? It really, it might be a philo- more of a philosophical question about whether or not the position is worth taking that high. Uh, and let's just take the Cowboys, for example. They were torn between Elliott and Jalen Ramsey. And the, the reason they took Elliott is because they felt he would have the biggest impact. Aside from what he could do with the ball in his hands, he would help Tony Romo, which, of course, that ended up being Dak Prescott, and that he would help the defense because he would help keep the defense off the field uh, and it's just the overall impact that Ezekiel Elliott would have. Uh, and, of course, that's not including the off-field stuff that the Cowboys are feeling now. But just the overall impact that he would have on the field would be more of an impact than Jalen Ramsey, who is now, you could argue, one of the top five corners in the league. So I think Cowboys fans debate on who the pick should have been. But uh, I think that's the same mindset with Barkley uh, and why you consider him at number one, because the overall impact he'll have on the rest of the roster uh, and, you know, just for hypothetical reasons, let's say that Cleveland doesn't see a quarterback at one that they're that they love. Uh, let's just say that they don't have any great trade offers to move back. Uh, last year, we had Miles Garrett, who was the consensus top pick from start to finish. This year, we don't have that. And, you know, we don't have that guy who's the, uh, you know, the top tier, no brainer type of pick like Miles Garrett was. For the Browns, the main objective is to come away with an impact player, and Barkley is certainly that. His skill set gives me flashbacks of LaDainian Tomlinson. He's explosive, balanced, uh, powerful. He's a very good route runner uh, and receiver. He just doesn't have many weaknesses. Uh, it, for just from my own evaluation, one area that does worry me, that does give me a little pause, uh, he's a very patient back, and sometimes when he's reading his blocks, he there are occasions where he's overly patient he'll stop his feet in the backfield and that gives defenders a chance to reset close down uh and in the nfl where everything's so much faster it's something to consider uh but overall we're talking about impact potential and his impact potential is through the roof uh but one thing i do want to say about Barkley is can we stop the notion that he's struggling this year i mean yes he's Averaging only about 100 yards per game, but you need to look past the box score and add context to that. Defenses, they're loading the box against him. Uh, you know, They're putting defenders close to the line of scrimmage uh, to force Trace McSorley to beat them, something that he was re- able to do up until the Ohio State game. So if you're disappointed that Barkley is only averaging 100 yards per game or 5.8 yards per carry, Keep in mind that he's facing stacked boxes. He has an average at best offensive line. And frankly, it's impressive that he's done as much as he has uh, given all those factors. And I think you also look at how valuable is a receiver, and even as a kickoff returner. Now, I don't think he'll return kicks in the NFL, but Penn State's starting field position was close to the 40-yard line in the Ohio State game because the Buckeyes wanted to stay away from Barkley. That is the type of impact we're talking about. So bottom line on Barkley, should he be considered with the top pick? Yes. Uh, I will say this. If the draft was held today, 
and I didn't draft a quarterback at one, I think I would lean Minka Fitzpatrick over Barkley, uh, that maybe in, over Barkley and some other non-quarterback options. I think I'd lean with the Alabama defensive back. Okay, so that's some good stuff. I appreciate that. Um, now, it, it, with Cleveland, if he was retained, and I got to be honest, it, it, it's looking you know worse and worse by the day for him mm-hmm. that he will be a part of year three. If you did stay, what quarterbacks are going to fit what he wants to do? Is there you know a specific guy, or is there one or two? Can you get into that a little bit? It's really tough to say because uh, I think that. Uh, you know, obviously AJ McCarron with that that back history that makes sense. Um, but if we're talking strictly to draft, uh, and depending on what underclassmen come out, I mean Sam Darnold to me, I'm I'm not I'll go down with the Sam Darnold shit. I'm okay. I'm with, with you. That. I'm with if, you. If if he ends up being a bust, whether he comes out this year or next year, I'll own it and I'll, I'll be fine with that. Um, it, but I think Sam Darnold would be a great fit with Hugh Jackson, and you know it's something that. You know, with with Darnold, I don't know. I, I he's twenty years old. I, people want this perfect quarterback at number one overall. I'm still a believer. He's still my top guy. I mean, he's following the Jameis Winston script, an outstanding redshirt freshman year, followed up by a lot of hype as a sophomore and a lot of mistakes. Uh, and the mistakes are a result of him trying to do too much with an average supporting cast. Uh, we talk about USC's offensive line. Uh, besides Deontay Burnett, uh, the receivers are you know not much to to brag about. They have a good run game uh, with Ronald Jones leading the way uh, when he's healthy, but overall not a, you know a typical USC cast around him. You know Winston, all the troubles he has as a sophomore, his final year at Florida State, he still went number one overall, and I think Darnold would too if he comes out. And like I said, he's 20 years old. There's going to be growing pains, figuring out throws that he should and shouldn't make. But he's so advanced in so many key areas, managing the pocket, uh, anticipating throws and passing windows, and just the overall mental battle that young quarterbacks face. So he gives me a foundation uh, in a young quarterback that I feel great about. Uh, Does he need to improve in some areas? Absolutely. But I feel good about the quarterback that he'll be in year one, and then the quarterback I think he could develop into uh, in year two, three, and down the line. So... uh, but, uh, you know, I, it, it's, I saw yesterday on Twitter how someone reported that uh, Darnold's going to wait and see who has a top pick and he might return. And it, Listen, that's not true at all. He, there are so many reasons. And I, I was told back in the summer uh, by scouts that they didn't think Darnold would come out. And that's, it. that's the one thing that always kept – this is not breaking news. In no, like July no. and August, Sam Darnold was pretty content on where he was right now. That's the part that shocks me. Well, he's loving life at, in, in college at USC. I mean, there's he's in no rush. He, he his family has money, uh, you know. And I could count on one hand the number of redshirt sophomores quarterbacks who have come out left early and have gone on to be first round picks and have success in the NFL. It doesn't happen. Jameis Winston is the best example. It does not happen a lot. Um, so, you know, Deshaun Kaiser, he was a redshirt sophomore and he came out. I still think he should have come out with everything going on at Notre Dame, but we're seeing how young he is and, you know, how that's affecting his play on an NFL field. So uh, I don't blame Sam Darnold at all if he goes back. And it will have absolutely nothing to do 
with the draft order. Because, okay, let's say, uh, you know, the 49ers or another team has the first pick and the Browns picking four. The Browns could still trade up to number one with all the draft capital they have. It, it really does not matter the draft order. If Sam Darnold goes back, it'll be for a lot of reasons, uh, none of which are going to be because uh, who's who, the draft order and who's picking number one. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I'm um, just going to hit you with two more here. Um, Mel Kiper came out today, and apparently, you know, there was a tweet or a story. Uh, Quentin Nelson from uh, Quentin Nelson from Notre Dame, and mm-hmm. the reason I'm going to hit on him is he's from my high school here in New Jersey. Uh, I called him the best guard prospect possibly of the last 30 years. Um, before everybody in New Jersey gets at me, um, obviously, you know, Quentin's very high prospect. Um, is that type of praise legitimate? No, uh, I, you know, that's. I mean, I, I'm barely 30 years old, so it's hard for that to, for me to say. Uh, but <laughs> okay. um, it, it's he's he's up there in terms of you know, the guards that I've been evaluating since I've been doing this the last uh, you know dozen years. Um, he's he's no question the best offensive lineman in, in this draft if he does declare. He's a redshirt junior, uh, technically could go back, but he is by far the best offensive lineman I've seen. Um, at left guard and look no disrespect to Josh Adams the running back at Notre Dame I think he's a good player but Quentin Nelson if I had a Heisman ballot Quentin Nelson would be higher on my Heisman ballot than than, uh, uh, the running back because the impact that he makes on the field is just outstanding you watch uh, you know against NC State the huge holes that he had to run through uh, a big part because of left guard uh, big Quentin Nelson. Uh, and, you know, we don't see guards drafted in the top five, even the top 10 very often. But Quentin Nelson's part of, you know, he's the exception. And then, like I mentioned earlier, this draft, we just don't have a lot of blue chippers. We don't have a lot of those uh, you know, guys on the top tier uh, that are going to be the no brainer top five picks uh, like we have in past years. So, um, you know, it's could he go top five? Yeah, I think he could. I mean, Brandon. Brandon Scherf went top five uh, two years ago to the to the Redskins, and I don't think they regret that one bit. And I know he played tackle, but the Redskins drafted him with the intent of playing him inside a guard. Uh, and Quentin Nelson, I, you know, he's he's a much better player than uh, his teammate to the left, uh, Mike McGlinchey at left tackle, who uh, I have a second-round grade on. Um, I think he has some issues in pass pro that uh, are going to haunt him in, in the NFL a little bit. But I, with the – uh, desperation for offensive tackles in the NFL. There's a good chance McGlinchey goes in the first round. Uh, and so we, there, there's a very good chance we could have two Notre Dame offensive linemen in the top 20 this year. Uh, but Quentin Nelson, yeah, I think he's the best offensive lineman in this draft if he does declare. Uh, and definitely one of the better guard prospects in recent memory. And the one thing I can tell everybody is, look, you, are, you, you don't even have to bother looking at the off-field. Quentin is the real mm-hmm. deal. Mm-hmm. Pure academics and there's nothing better than watching, if you want to look on YouTube, finding a six foot five, 300 guy dunking a basketball. That's always hmm. good stuff, too. I'm just going to hit you with one more, Dane, before we go. Mm-hmm. Uh, give me two, three names of guys that nobody's got on the radar yet. I know you did this last year with Shaheen, the tight end. Give us a couple of names mm-hmm. here that nobody's on yet that maybe we need to start doing a little more homework on. Uh, you know, there, there's, there's a few. Um, at pass rusher, there, there's a few of these guys that I really like Marcus Davenport from uh, UTSA uh, Texas San Antonio I think he's he's going to be a big time riser uh, the more we get into this process he's a former uh, basketball player 
very good athlete, still figuring out how to do things with his hands and uh, how to work off blocks and kind of put the whole pass rush sequence together. But he's a very good player. I think Marcus Davenport's going to shoot up uh, the boards as we go through the process. Um, in terms of small school, you know, like I love Shaheen. You know, this year the top um, non-FBS players also a tight end. Uh, Dallas Goddard from South Dakota State, who uh, I graded as a second-round pick. Uh, he's fighting with uh, Mike Gusecki and Troy Fumagalli and Margaret Andrews to be the top tight end this year. Uh, I think he's a solid day-two guy. I don't, there's not, I don't think it's a strong year for non-FBS, you know, the quote-unquote small school, but um, you know, he's definitely in the mix. I, I like this tight end group. Ian Thomas from Indiana is another one that's, uh, I think, very underrated. And then I mentioned how the corners were a very good, a very talented group. And I look at these juniors, a lot of talent coming from this underclassman group. Obviously, Fitzpat- Minka Fitzpatrick, who I mentioned at the top, Denzel Ward from Ohio State. Carlton Davis from Auburn doesn't get enough love. Um, I, I think uh, Joshua Jackson from Iowa, a guy that's really come on. Um, and then, you know, some more guys that will, I think they're, people have seen their names, but I don't think they appreciate how good they are. Uh, Harrison Phillips, the nose tackle from Stanford, and then Taven Bryan from Florida. Uh, this guy, uh, playing a lot of three technique, he's so quick off the ball. He's a son of a Navy SEAL, kind of grew up with that mentality from out of Wyoming, uh, ends up as a Gator. Uh, Taven Bryan's a lot of fun uh, to watch. It, I can't imagine there's many good reasons to watch the Gators right now if you're not a Florida fan, but uh, <laughs> it's, it's worth tuning in to watch number 93 in the defensive line. All right, Dane. Thanks so much for uh, you know all the knowledge you hit us here with over this 25 minutes. You know, all the best to you and the family. Thanks for joining us here on Locked On Browns. Obviously, we're going to look to have you back here. You know, somewhat closer, you know, to April. But uh, again, buddy, thanks so much. I enjoyed it. Thank you. Anytime. All right, Dane. Be good, buddy. Thank you. Take care.